And what had happened um, in tandem with, with us thinking about that was we, we were launching YouTube in all these countries, right? In about six African countries. So we kept meeting very, very talented people, uh, but all of them were struggling, right? And, 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 and in our minds were like, if, if, if by, by the draw of luck, you, you have this talent, you should be able to monetize it. Mm-hmm. So then uh, I guess those two things clicked. If you can use the internet to help these guys make a living for themselves, then you know, that, 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 that's starting to help people uh, use the internet in meaningful ways. Hey everyone, welcome to the Shaping Africa podcast. Each week we highlight an inspiring person who is shaping Africa so you can learn how to use your own skills and uniqueness to make real impact on the continent. I'm your host, Rose Thiga. Um, and so for the audience, let me just do a quick intro of you um, and then we can get into it. So uh, Ham uh, Namakajo is currently the uh, director for the Uganda Entrepreneurial Ecosystem Initiative. Um, Ham previously worked at Bain um, and Google Uganda as the country manager. Um, he also has a long um, and storied um, history working in various entrepreneurial ventures. Um, you know, Feza, Eating Uganda, just to name a few. And I'm so glad to have you on the show, Ham. And I, I can't wait um, for the audience to learn about your journey and, um, and how it's led you to what you're doing today. So welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you, Rose. I'm uh, excited to be here. Yeah. Um, so I thought it would be interesting. You know, um, full disclosure, you and I went to the same grad school, but obviously- I was about to times. say. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you you were the cool kid because you came back to recruit for your firm, Bain, at the time, and that's how we met. But uh, I, I, thought, I always found it curious that you are from Uganda, but went to school in Tanzania and then later to the UK and finally found your, your way to the US. Um, but h- how did you find yourself in TZ for your undergrad studies? Um, so I don't know how it is in Kenya, but um, when you do your form six, your, your, your secondary leaving exams, uh, usually uh, those days, a long time ago we, we we had probably one university main university in, in uganda so there's this whole your your, your results determine if you'll get in mm-hmm. and if you'll get into the course you want so i failed to get into engineering in makere uh and so what happened was there was a an exchange program with the university of dar es salaam for electronic engineering so i applied for it and uh yeah ended up there so Interesting, yeah. interesting. Um, and, and how did you find yourself from there then to the UK and eventually the US? Oof. So um, immediately after graduating from the University of Da, I joined the telecoms regulator, Uganda Communications Commission, worked there uh, probably for about two years before I decided I wanted to do a master's. Um, so went to the UK for my master's, uh, where I was studying more telecoms, but I found myself more interested in the business side of things. So um, did a blended sort of master's with uh, telecoms and, uh, you know, yeah, the business side of, of that. So once I did that, I, I realized, I came back to, to UCC, to, to, to Uganda Communications Commission. I realized 
I didn't have the, the business fundamentals and that's the side I was more interested in. Mm -hmm. So then decided to go back to business school, which is what landed me in, uh, in the US. So the UK was my master's at Coventry University and then um, uh, UPenn at, uh, in the US. Okay, awesome. Um, and so, you know, after B school, you're working at Bain. Um, what was the moment where you decided you were going to transition back home? Um, so it it wasn't, there wasn't a moment where, I guess there's a moment, but it wasn't like it was a planned thing. Mm, it was, I was transitioning out of Bain. So if, I don't know, did you work in consulting or not? Uh, yes, but not, yes, in New York. <laughs> like, did a I different kind of consulting, but anyway, consulting, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, you, you do your two, three years, then you have to make a decision. Am I going yeah. to be a lifer, yes. a lifer uh, consultant, or should I take this skill somewhere else? And mm -hmm. um, I, I, I knew from the get-go, I, I, I just wanted to get the skills and then go into industry. Uh, sure. It's good being an advisor on the advisory side, but it, I, I was more excited about actually implementing things. So at that point, I was transitioning out of Bain and thinking about where to go next. Um, and I was still in the States. My mind was, let me find another job in the States. Uh, so I'm interviewing with all sorts of companies in Silicon Valley and, and, and uh, mostly in California. Um, then I, I, I saw an, uh, an ad for Google. They were looking for a country manager, first for East Africa, then it became Uganda. So I looked at it for, about six months before I said, you know what, let me, let me call these people. So uh, I call, uh, I call uh, Google, they put me through to Joe Michelle, who was the, the Africa lead at the time, is now your cabinet secretary, I think, for mm -hmm. ICT. ICT, correct. Um, so Joe, Joe, yeah, really sold me on the vision they had. It was super exciting. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, the brand, the Google brand was, was, was huge, and coming back with that brand and the the types of things that we're trying to do um, were, were, were super exciting. He's, he's a salesman, basically. So despite the fact that I hadn't planned to um, go at that time or come back, uh, it made sense. It's like, you know, we're always talking about to see in Africa, here's an opportunity for you to actually be involved in making that change and be involved yes. in the tech off of Africa. So yeah, so like six, seven interviews later, um, given an offer and I, I, I came back, that was, uh, 2011, I believe. Okay, wow. Wow, okay. I love how everyone's return story is so different. Um, like for you, it was, um, you know, not much like planning and laboring over it. It was just reaching out to an opportunity um, mm -hmm. that lined up with your skill set, your experience. Um, so yeah. that's that's pretty amazing. Um, and so, what? did you do after Google? Because I think this is where it starts to get really interesting in your story. <laughs> where it starts to get murky. <laughs> uh, so um, while we were at Google, so, so, so at that point in time, you know, the, the use of internet business was still very, uh, sort of, it was a nascent industry, you know, the use of, of, of the internet in business was very, very low, at least in the region, especially in Uganda. So what we're doing at that time was trying to solve uh, particular impediments to the use of uh, internet. One was access, two was content. So the access problem was largely being tackled. The other question was, what's the content? What, okay, if you give access to 
you know, the, uh, give people access to the internet or businesses. What do they do on, sure. on, on, on the internet? And now it might seem like very obvious, but back in the day, it was a different, you know, thing. That's so, um, yeah, so, so, so we, we had a lot of uh, discussions around content, what kind of content, how do we get, you know, how do we use the, the internet to actually solve some society problems? Uh, so me and my, my, uh, my colleague at, at Google at the time kept thinking about crowdfunding, crowdfunding, which is the thing that came up mostly now in our minds. Um, how do we help uh, solve some issues through crowdfunding? And what had happened um, in tandem with, with us thinking about that was we, we were launching YouTube in all these countries, right? In about six African countries. So we kept meeting very, very talented people, uh, but all of them were struggling, right? And, 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 and in our minds were like, if, if, if by, by the draw of luck, you, you have this talent, you should be able to monetize it. Mm -hmm. So then uh, I guess those two things clicked. If we can use the internet to help these guys make a living for themselves, then you know that, that, that that's starting to help people uh, use the internet in meaningful ways. So uh, we started out uh, with experimenting with the crowdfunding platform, built that, and then decided, you know what, I need we need to give it full attention. So sure. that's when I left Google and started Feza, which was the crowdfunding platform. Interesting. For musicians. Yeah. So was that your first entrepreneurial venture? Yes, okay. that was my first entrepreneurial venture. I've okay. been involved in other people's venture, but I was right. the first one. Uh, right. I, I was um, and looking back on that experience, um, you know, what did you learn about yourself that you then took on to other ventures, and um, how did that experience shape you? Um, I think I enjoy. I enjoy things that are not very well defined. I enjoy ambiguity. Mm -hmm. um, I cannot deal with uh, routine type things. Mm -hmm. So I always want things where I'm discovering new things. It's, 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 I'm discovering new things. I'm trying to figure out all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. uh, there's some sort of creativity in me that comes out when, when, when I'm in such situations. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've always tried to take, put myself in situations where Things are not very well defined. Go and figure it out and yes. make it happen. Yes. So I think for me personally, my biggest learning was that's the kind of environment I I, I thrive in. Mm -hmm. If you put me in a very process oriented, uh, keep doing X Y Z, this bureaucracy, I'll struggle. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But uh, give me some weird problem. Try to figure it out. Talk to people. You know, experiment. Yeah. Do all that. Yeah. But then I'll, I'll be super happy and. And the chances for success for me will be a lot higher. Mm, that's really profound. Like the fact that you learned that about yourself pretty early in your entrepreneurial venture. Okay. And then talk to us about Feza and what came after. Okay. So, so Feza, as I said, we started out as a crowdfunding platform for musicians. The idea being, so the thesis at that point, hypothesis, sorry, was that these guys do not have that startup capital to get themselves going. For example, uh, you know, uh, say a thousand bucks to go into the studio and, 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 and cut an album sure. or a couple of thousand to go do a video that then will help you sell yourself. Uh, so that was the initial thought. 
Um, so we, yeah, we put up a crowdfunding platform. We had projects, you know, like 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 uh, Kickstarter, but for mm -hmm. musicians. Mm -hmm. um, I think we were very early in. Um, we're too early for the market at that point in time. Um, secondly, the cultural barriers around that Ugandans, especially, we don't give money in that way. Mm -hmm. If you're to have a wedding right now, everyone will contribute to your wedding. People will give you money. Whatever. The moment it's a business for some reason, people are not going to contribute as much. Hmm. Uh, so anyway, we struggled raising even those, you know, uh, uh, small amounts. So it took a lot of work on our side to sure. actually raise that money. Sure. But what tended to happen was um, people would come. Oh, that guy is very talented. Could we, um, you know, have him for? Can we hire him for a gig? And we kept passing them on, hmm. few of them on until it clicked. If we're trying to help these guys. Uh, create meaningful income for themselves, then getting, rather than startup capital, maybe getting them gigs uh, will, will help in that regard. Sure. So then we pivoted to a booking platform. Okay, because that's how I remember Feza. It was like a booking platform. Yeah. Okay, yeah. wow. I, yeah. I didn't know that there was a pivot that resulted in in Feza being and what it all, is. Always pivoting. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so and is, is Feza still in existence today? Yeah, FESA is in existence. Uh, we've since transitioned again, people in the game. So we have a pay-per-view platform uh, primar uh, primarily around uh, live performances. Nice. So over the pandemic, so we used to do live performances to help market the artists we're trying to get bookings for. Uh, and we, we held quite a bit of shows and, you know, we, we would get, you know, you invite various corporates, you do the usual business development around mm -hmm. that. Uh, but then when the pandemic hit, uh, we had to very quickly figure out how we're going to, um, again, help these guys, um, one, still get that exposure, but also try to make money. So we moved those performances online. So we, we, we came up very quickly with a pay-per-view platform. Uh, our first show was actually April last year. We managed to do about 13 shows throughout the uh, you know, from April to about December last year, mm -hmm. um, which kept, you know, some of our artists earning some money and uh, kept that exposure. In addition, um, we, over the years, we found out that these gigging musicians, they, you know, they, they tend to keep about 10% of uh, the performance fee. So if Rose were to invite me as a gigging musician to your house, say, uh, and, and it's going to sound off because Kenyan currency and Ugandan currency is different. But let's say you're giving me 10 million, right? Sure. Um, 10 million Ugandan shillings, I'd be able to keep only one because I have to pay for gear. I have to pay, you know, stage lighting. Oh, I, I have to pay my band. Yeah. Transporting, transporting all these things. Uh -huh. Exactly. So all that uh, takes away a lot of that performance fee. You only sure. keep 10%. So uh, we found out the biggest cost was the cost of gear. Mm -hmm. So now we have a gear rental service uh, and we're building a gear rental platform where we have our own gear that can be rented out to the musicians at uh, very attractive uh, prices, which is probably, I won't say the amount that's, but it's, it's, it's below market. And uh, the platform also allows other people who have gear to monetize their gear. I mean, if it's sitting in, 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 oh, in a storage somewhere and people need it, yeah, that, that, that can help you uh, rent it out. So uh, 
off of that, uh, musicians are able to keep up to 40% of, of, of their performance fee wow. from the 10% previous year. Wow. So yeah, those are the two things we're doing, the pay-per-view platform and peer rentals. Okay, awesome. Yeah, that's real impact. Um, and particularly in the creative space where maybe people don't view it as a business opportunity per se, um, you're really having yeah. very solid impact. So uh, kudos to you, man, that's, that's exciting. Um, so I think we've, we've really gotten to know Ham and now I need to ask some audience focus questions uh, for folks. Because okay. um, this, this season we're in is about people who have made the great return um, from diaspora mm -hmm. and made the transition back home. So what advice would you give for people in various stages of their career who are starting to think about moving back? I think the biggest thing you can do is keep going back. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, whenever you have vacation days, and if you don't don't don't, don't go to uh, what what are the huge don't don't go to Miami or Mexico, <laughs> or whatever. Come back to your country, right? Right. Come back to your country because I think the biggest challenge is once you go away for a few years, you um, once you're away, your networks sort of dissipate. You, you you're not as connected to the country as you would. So coming back, you would struggle. To, to, to get into the spaces that would allow you to thrive and, and mm -hmm. start whatever it is you want to start. So I think the biggest thing is keep coming back. You know, if you can come back every year, well and good, mm -hmm. but keep those connections with uh, your contemporaries. Because uh, mm -hmm. as, as time goes on, uh, all these people start moving into positions where mm -hmm. they're going to be, you know, a lot more valuable, um, especially if you're moving back. So go back home quite regularly. Keep nurturing those, those, those networks because you're going to rely on them very, very heavily uh, when you get back when you're on the ground. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that has really been consistent throughout um, the series for sure. Um, and so what was surprising for you when, when you moved back? What was surprising for me? Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's too much that was surprising because I kept, I kept, I kept coming back. Um, I think I didn't anticipate how much of a culture clash, because I was only away for six, six, six years. So it wasn't like right. I spent 20 years out there and coming back, I don't know what's going on. Just the, 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 the working culture and all that, um, how different they would be and how much it would affect me or aggravate uh, my psyche. So that was one thing. It's, it's, it's the pace of work, the, the culture of work, uh, was totally different even after a short period of time. So surprising and also uh, a point of, 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 um, of friction for me. Sure. Um, yep, yeah, go ahead. How did, how did you navigate that or what are your coping mechanisms? Because I think we've all experienced that um, when making the transition. I think you just have to calm down, man. <laughs> Things won't move. <laughs> so high strong. Things won't move as fast. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you just have to calm down. And again, you have to, uh, you know, play the game within the rules. If you're in a place where things go slow, if you're in a place where, you know, the, 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 the gears needs to be greased a bit for them to move, you have to play by the rules. So, yeah, coming back with all these, uh, this idealism that we tend to when we're living in these foreign countries and we're looking down upon the practices that are happening, you need to you know, forget that for a bit. Because you're coming to play, know yeah. what the rules are, and play by the rules. Play by the rules. Yeah, that's, that's a good one, play by the rules. 
Um, so when when you reflect, because actually, um, I, when I was like prepping for this interview, I was like, I just remember how I'm doing Feza. <laughs> And I wanted to talk about the work you're doing now and how you <laughs> fell into it um, or like got into yeah. it um, and, and your why for going that direction. Yeah. So having been uh, um, in, 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 in the ring myself, uh, mm -hmm. ourselves as entrepreneurs, um, as you know, these small but growing businesses have a lot of challenges, mm. funding being one of them, mm. uh, especially if you're in the entertainment space, people don't look at the entertainment space as, like you said, there, there, there's business opportunities, but in terms of think about that as a scalable opportunity, it's, it's, sure. it's quite limited to actually sell that idea. Um, the financing that's available in this part of the world, majority of the financing is impact financing. And I feel like there's a very narrow definition of what impact so uh, a lot of times it's bottom of the pyramid type um, situations that people mm -hmm. are trying to find, which is well and good. Mm -hmm. But um, I think impact can come, impact needs to be more broadly defined. For example, mm -hmm. in our space in entertainment, if you think about uh, every musician, every musician who's you know, doing live gigging has about a band of between four to eight people. Sure. Those are four to eight families that could be impacted. Exactly. Uh, in addition to that, you know, they're supporting businesses like the gear rentals, they're supporting, uh, you know, casual laborers who help them. So there's, the, you know, it, it, it scales if you're, if you're, if you're if, and there's 3,000 musicians, say, in Uganda alone, at least registered ones. So imagine you're, 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 you're working on, uh, say, 10% of that, that's still 300 people times four times eight. The, the impact can actually be felt. It's just that people don't look at it that way. Anyway, so that's one of the problems are uh, financing. Uh, actually, the biggest problem is finance. Okay. And many reasons bring that uh, to bear. Many times our businesses are not yet ready to take on any financing that might be available, or the financing that's available is, is super expensive. Sure. Uh, whatever, we don't have anywhere to, to go to learn how to navigate, mm -hmm. uh, set the fundraising um, space. Mm. Uh, or we can't afford expertise, bunch of problems that, you know, yeah. small yeah. startups are- Notwithstanding their collateral requirements, among other things. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's, 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 really, it's, it's, it's really a struggle for a small business. But then an opportunity came up where um, I was being given an opportunity to work with various actors within our ecosystem sure. to try and solve these problems for small for, for small but and growing businesses i won't say startups because startups usually has a very specific sort of boundary mm -hmm. so it's small and growing businesses mm -hmm. um so yeah that was the thing so the uganda entrepreneurial ecosystem initiative is basically a bottom-up approach towards defining what the priority issues uh, for small and growing businesses are in uganda and then working as an ecosystem to uh, design interventions and then implement them uh, in support of the entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. um, so what's important to realize is previously in the ecosystem, you know, there's external actors, uh, funders, NGOs, even governments that will do their research for from where they're sitting, see particular gaps, and then they'll design interventions to fill those gaps. But many times, uh, 
they have not really consulted the, 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 the players that deeply that they are they're, they're designing these interventions for. And these interventions by, might be solving a problem that's not the most immediate for uh, the ecosystem actors. So what tends to happen is you'll come with a very uh, interesting, promising uh, project that, that's promising to have a lot of impact on, on the entrepreneurs. But then because the organizations are dealing with more fundamental issues at this point, sure. they won't have time to commit or participate in that. So the impact is lessened. So we're saying rather than bottoms, uh, sorry, top down, let's do bottoms up. Let us sit together on the table, mm. uh, figure out what's most urgent for us mm -hmm. uh, and dictate, okay, this is what we want to solve now mm. uh, and then do that. That way there's more participation and the theory is, uh, first of all, because you know, you're involving everyone, um, you know, the impact will be a lot higher. Mm. Wow. Huh. That's... I think I'm a huge proponent of like having our voices in some of these interventions. And I'm, I'm just so glad you're getting to do that. I got goosebumps just as you are describing, you know, like the stakeholder <laughs> engagement and, you know, being able to do this um, from the bottom. Um, I'm sure there's frustrating points, but overall in terms of, you know, the impact that you're getting to have. Um, yay! So exciting. Um, so thank do, you. Yeah. Do, so do you lean on your consulting background, your entrepreneurial background, or is this kind of the culmination of everything you've done in your career, the role that you have now? I'd say the latter. So it's a very, again, like I'm always drawn to things that are not very clear or not very <laughs> linear. If you think about building ecosystems, it's it's not a linear thing of let me do this and it will lead directly to that. You yeah. touch this it probably is interconnected with something else that either will have, you will also elevate or will have an adverse impact. So there are multiple um, uh, touch points in an ecosystem that you have to balance very well. Again, it's not linear, um, you know, things have to go back, this feedback loops. Um, so for me, it's, it's one entrepreneur trying to figure out a problem and then trying to uh, iterate on what the solution is of course, uh, supported by the rigor that we, we, we got from both business school and, and the consulting field. True. Um, um, and, 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 and also skills, you know, I've, I've gotten elsewhere. I mean, stakeholder management and, and, and all that was gotten in my earlier days in the communications commission. True. So yeah, it's a culmination of very many things I've, I've, I've done um, up to this point. Yeah. It's, a, it's amazing sometimes how you don't really know where your journey is headed, but as you move through life, um, it, becomes, it becomes very clear. One of the things I've been reflecting on is the fact that we as Africans, as a continent, we kind of need to level up and be able to have conversations across borders like I'm doing with you now. Um, we kind of really come together as a continent as a whole. And you know, just hearing the work that you're doing in Uganda, I'm like, wow, that would be very much applicable in Kenya. Um, so how do you see like the yourself and the work that you're doing in Uganda kind of shaping the entrepreneurial ecosystem? Um, so in Uganda and then having a ripple effect, like are you yeah. sharing yeah. knowledge with others? Yeah. Are you, how are we yeah. all coming together? Yeah. yeah. 
first of all, let me say this. Um, you know, the, this working in silos is everywhere at every level, right? Mm. So if I just think about Uganda, um, there's a lot of silos. Some of them are sectoral. So you'll find uh, entrepreneurial communities across sectors. Mm -hmm. uh, agriculture co community has its own convening. It has its own support uh, structures, uh, financing structures, tourism, small scale industries, all that. So they all don't talk, unfortunately. Even within uh, a particular sector, people don't talk and don't collaborate. Mm. So the first thing is to allow people to break out of those silos. And that's one of the things uh, we're thinking very critically about. How do we uh, enable um, all these ecosystem actors break out of the silos within which they're, they're, they're working? How do we help them connect with each other and create an environment where possible collaboration is going to come from? So that's at the Uganda level. Mm -hmm. So then the next level becomes, okay, yeah, like you said, I mean, the problems we face in Uganda are similar to the problems we face in mm -hmm. And now, uh, we are in Africa, the, the business is being done across borders. So any startup that starts in Uganda, I can bet you the first thing when they're thinking about expanding is to go to Kenya, mm -hmm. right? So they're going to meet the same types of problems. So we do need to, as you rightly put it, also break out of those silos of saying, Uganda is trying to deal with its own problems, Kenya, mm -hmm. we're so interconnected. Mm -hmm. So what we're doing is, again, this is an experiment around, um, can we work together to define the issues and then build the interventions and based off of that have the larger impact? So yeah, learning uh, is, is a big component of what we're doing. Uh, we will be documenting our experiences uh, over this journey. And it's a long-term journey. It's not like next year I'm going to come back to you and say, ah, I've solved such a thing. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's a long-term journey, but documenting the, the, the learnings. Uh, so the, from the organization's perspective, this is sort of uh, some sort of a pilot so the, the things we learn, uh, the lessons we learn can then be used to expand. Uh, if this model works, then we can use it, uh, we can, it can be used to expand uh, the same approach in, in, in you know, various other countries. And, and it's not only Uganda that's being um, looked at. So UEEI, just to give you a bit of context, is under Andy. Andy is the Aspen Network of Development Entrepreneurs. Okay. And it's present in about 300 countries. So, um, you know, we have chapters in, in, in East Africa, which is out of Kenya, uh, West Africa, South Africa, Latin America, Southeast Asia. So all those are looking at this UEEI and seeing mm -hmm. uh, and looking for lessons out of that so that maybe mm -hmm. it, it's an approach that can be uh, leveraging their own uh, markets. Yes, yes, amazing. I can't wait to see what comes out of it, Tam. I, I really think um, there's a, a lot of lessons there that could be applicable elsewhere. And yeah, these journeys are long <laughs> and you're trying to go into uncharted water. So I really wish you all the best. Um, and I, I can't wait to, Thank you. to see what, what comes out of it. Um, so Me too, I can't wait to see. <laughs> um, so how would you describe your transition back to Uganda in one word? One word is difficult. Um, I think it was excitement. Hmm. Okay. If so I think I about this excitement, what drove me to, to come back first of all mm -hmm. was that excitement about things starting to happen in, in the region. Uh, excitement about the opportunities that the region holds. Mm -hmm. Excited, uh, excitement about various pieces starting to fall in place. You have 
Google driving the adoption of internet and driving the infrastructure. You're having Facebook also playing the same, uh, doing the same things. Uh, you have e-commerce starting, um, you know, the early days of e-commerce. So there was excitement about what was going on at that point in time uh, and the opportunities that that, that offered. Um, and also excitement about being able to be part of the change that we, we talk about a lot. Mm. So yeah, I think my word is excitement. Excitement. Awesome. No, so so what parallels do you see in 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 in, 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 in I guess my story, and we've known each other for a bit. I think we have never explicitly talked about this. Yeah. But what parallels do you see um, in this? I know you you wind the in the states for a lot longer. Yeah. Uh, but 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 yeah. How did you? I mean, a lot. Um, so I was away for thirteen years, um, and I always knew I wanted to come back, um, and I wanted to come back earlier. But then, as fate would have it, I came back three years after business school. Um, many parallels. So when I came back, it was like slow down, take it easy. Um, but the main one I see is that you've always taken risk and you haven't been afraid to fail or you haven't been afraid to go to uncharted waters. So um, I take the same approach <laughs> and I'm, I'm learning to reframe failure as learning. I think as a type A, I'm always just like, no, I have to nail this, I have to nail that. But sometimes it's, it's about the experience and it's just about taking a leap of faith. I mean, just as I've done with the podcast, I'm like, I don't know where this thing is going, but I just want to encourage yeah. people to, to tell their stories in an authentic way. And because um, we need more African voices talking about everything, not just moving back home. Yeah, this is true. Um, yeah, and I've just always admired from afar, you know, the fact that you started Peza and then, you know, that was like 18, you worked at Google Jumia and used that to just start many things and fail fast and move on to the next one and pivot yeah. when you need to. Yeah. <laughs> I just think that's really will say I am, huh? Yeah, others will say I'm, I'm misguided. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sort of having a proper career plan and path, I'm just doing all sorts of things. But this is true. Uh, you mentioned something that, 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 that that's quite important. A-type personalities are um, easy to struggle because they're used to achieving at a particular level. Mm -hmm. You're used to having your life very well thought out and planned out. Uh, maybe you're, you're climbing the corporate ladder, so you know I need to navigate the politics in this way. I need to skill up in that way. And there's a plan. And it's, uh, it might not be linear, but it's, it's, it's more linear than... Um, you know, this is where you just land in a market. Okay, let me figure this out. Um, so, yeah, I think there's, there's, there's something to be said about embracing um, two things, embracing ambiguity, mm -hmm. being able to more and more. And I won't say that I, I, I embraced it straight away. I had a soft landing. So I, I, I came back. So in terms of now I'm talking about my entrepreneurial journey, mm -hmm. about just coming back. Mm -hmm. So there was a soft landing. I always wanted to be an entrepreneur mm -hmm. um, or be involved in some, you know, entrepreneurial uh, management type mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So having a soft landing uh, with, with, with a brand like Google allowed me to have some impact, but also uh, reconnect with, uh, with, 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 
with the market and, 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 and do all those sorts of things. So some people might not be as lucky, um, you know, um, or the opportunities might not come as and when you're looking to make the transition. Sure. But I'd say just embrace that. Just take a leap of faith, do it. Mm -hmm. Give yourself a year or two, something is going to come out. You're going to learn mm -hmm. a lot within those uh, first two years. You're going to connect with a lot of people. Uh, and what you thought uh, it would be is going to turn out to be totally different. So embrace ambiguity and embrace emergence. So the plan will, will emerge. Yeah. And I think HI personalities, that's the thing we struggle with. We say yeah. we need to know where we're going with, yeah. with, in somewhat definite terms. But uh, what I've learned over the years, uh, and most actually most recently, something that's helped me think about the emergence is just be comfortable that you don't know what you're doing or you don't know <laughs> what your immediate, next, immediate, immediate next steps are going to be. Yeah. But you're going to learn. Um, the more you talk, the more you engage with, with, with the problem, the more you, you know, the clarity starts yeah. forming around that. So, yeah. yeah, those two things I think are quite important. They're very difficult things to to, to come to terms with. Mm, mm, so good. So good. Yeah. So good. Yeah, I've, I've had to shed um, a lot of, like, what, what I thought I wanted to be, <laughs> if, if I'm making sense. Um, in and like, because I realized actually a lot of that was like driven by, I don't know, who I wanted to impress, my family, my, um, <laughs> and like reimagine a new path for myself um, yeah. that allows for the emergence or like the next thing to show up and the next opportunity. And it's been fun so far, so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's it's very it's very liberating when yes. um, you you obviously we, we have our long-term goals that we keep sight on. Absolutely. It's the how how totally. do I navigate to that? <laughs> yeah. Huh? You're not totally yeah. hippie. We have some goals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's 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 being being comfortable and not going into a panic mm. uh that you know you're not achieving at least as quick as you thought you would. Yeah. Uh, or the plan is deviating. Uh, maybe I'm trying to push it back to what I thought it should be. Uh, I think it's liberating. It's 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 less stress. It's it's it 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 frees you up to actually be a little more open-minded, actually. Okay, I've been led to this path, so how do I make the most of it? Or you know, uh, the universe is leading you for a reason. So I don't know about you, but I I constantly, you know, I've had some experiences in my life where uh, sort of my life was spared. So in my mind, I'm like, there's a reason my life was spared. Absolutely. I haven't yet figured it out, but maybe this is the universe trying to move me towards what I'm really supposed yeah, to do. So let's, let me embrace it. Yeah, getting yeah, let me embrace it. Let me, yeah, let me see how it pans out and uh, we'll see. Maybe we'll be talking uh, when, you know, 20 years from now and say, I'm some other shit. Some <laughs> other stuff. <laughs> I'm so glad um, your life was spared, Ham. I remember that post you made, and I was just like, wow. Thank you. I'm so glad you're here. Yeah. And I'm so glad you're getting pulled into your purpose and serving entrepreneurs um, and trying to create an ecosystem that works that we can all learn from. Um, and I'm so thankful for your time. I'm like, 
why don't we Thank just you. get on WhatsApp calls more often? I, I actually really. We should, we should. Yeah. I think we, we all get WhatsApp in our own things, and yeah, uh, it's, it's, yeah and yeah, we should. And I think this this whole, you know, season we're going through, difficult season, has made this, uh, this 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 more forefront of my mind at least um that's why when you call out and ask i was like yeah of course uh, at least i'll you know i'll talk to her yeah uh, after not talking to her for a while but 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 yeah keeping in touch with with, with your people um rough times this is what keeps you sane and you know you hate being in this situation and say i wish i could have done xyz i wish i mm -hmm. reached out so yeah let's reach out more and let's talk more mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right ham Thank you. I think we can end it here. Um, again, thank you so much. Love to the family. And thank uh, you. Yeah, big yeah. hugs to uh, the family. Yes. And hopefully we can meet up again Kampala soon. Okay. Take care. And come to call us if you come to Nairobi. Oh, definitely. Always. Sure. Okay. Cheers, Ham. Thank so, so. you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Ham and learned about the power of maintaining your networks in your home country while in the diaspora so that you can easily have a path to reconnecting and reintegrating back home. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to get notified when we release new episodes. Next week, I am joined by Mavure Jendu, architect, urban planner, and STEM advocate. You won't want to miss her perspective on being the change we want to see. Please share this podcast with anyone you think may enjoy it. See you next time.